funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. We deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5 flying high in Motown. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, it's about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like that's that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Bryant West on here as we always do. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing, man? Mikel Bridges, one game out of the the finals here. Uh, that game broke my heart yesterday. I was very much on board with uh, let's uh, let's go Suns. Just get this over with and uh, have some rest time before the finals. Um, but now it looks like they got to take care of business in LA and uh, the Bucks probably take care of business tonight without Trey Young. So it's going to be harder for the Suns. Yeah, definitely. You have one of these Valley jerseys, right? Oh, I do. Oh God. I do. I love it. I love seeing them wear at every home game. Like, yeah. you know, someday if Sacramento has uh, an A plus plus Jersey like that, I hope they just stop playing around with uh, let's wear our 14 different jerseys. Just wear your good ones. I, I'm not like, going to lie. The last two years, they had some pretty good jerseys, actually. I don't know that they ever had a jersey. Like I like the 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 black chainmail jerseys. Those are still my favorite of the ones they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the throwback Kansas City, like royal blue ones they had two years ago. You know, I keep saying this. I don't want the Kings to ever really think about going back to red and blue just because like 90% of professional teams have one of those two colors. Um, but the Royal blue is my favorite blue. So if they're going to do it, I'll be fine with the Royal blue. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, no, that city Jersey this year never grew on me. Really? At all. No, I, 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 on the court, like they were kind of whatever, but I, I saw a couple people wearing them in person and I was like, man, those are good looking jerseys. Yeah, it just never did it for me. And Lord knows I want to have a city edition jersey that I like because uh, it's time for me to go buy a Tyrese Halliburton jersey. And, I uh, agree. In a month, in a month, it's going to be time for me to go get a uh, Moses Moody or Franz Wagner <laughs> jersey. Yes, Brian. Yes, I will absolutely <laughs> buy one of these with you. Um, and there's a chance that we're talking about a Josh Giddy or a Zaire Williams jersey. And uh, those are the two guys that we're diving into profiles today. Um, two intriguing prospects. I think they're both six eight. Um, yeah, Zaire Zaire was six eight, no shoes, mm-hmm. uh, six nine and a half with shoes at the combine. Um, I didn't find Giddy combine measurements. I don't think he was there. He wasn't there. He's still in Australia. Yeah, still training in Australia, I believe. Yeah, Giddy six eight six eight wingspan as well. Um, Zaire's definitely got a advantage when it comes to wingspan there but uh giddy definitely put up some nice numbers in the nbl this year yeah he really did uh 32 minutes a game 
10.8 points, 7.4 rebounds, a league high, 7.4 assists, 1.1 steals, 0.5 blocks, 42.5% for the field, 29.3% uh, from three, uh, and 69.1% from the free throw line. Um, actually, let me look that up and make sure that I got the three-point number right. <laughs> yeah, I see 29.3% from deep. Okay, perfect. Because I had 39.3 on my sheet and I was like, there's no way. <laughs> Definitely I not. Totally put that in wrong. <laughs> so then I got paranoid. Um, and uh, first Australian born player to get a triple double in the NBL. Mm. Uh, can you guess who the uh, first was? LaMelo. Or, yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. It was. Um, and I thought it was funny. Uh, I watched um, Mike Smith's uh, sit down with Giddy. Uh, very good. Everybody highly recommended. And the first comp that uh, Mike brought up was, you know, there's a lot of similarities in how I watch you and watch LaMelo Ball. And I'm just like, oh, really? <laughs> well, now we're doing NBL comparisons. Right. And the aspect that he's talking about is the passing. Yes. I, I think specifically the passing. And like only the passing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And maybe the. I don't want to take I don't want to take Mike's words out of his mouth. It was definitely just talking about the passing. So let's get into that. What is his primary upside at the next level? So, I, I mean, the elite skill is passing at 6'8", and that is ridiculously valuable. And Giddy's doing it off the dribble in ways that you kind of saw from LaMelo, where it's like, okay, these one-handed, left, left-handed bullet passes, um, just reading what the weak side help defender is. Like, I, I think he does a ridiculous job of reading the defense and understanding which couple players he's really supposed to be keying in on and if they take one step in the wrong direction he is jetting a pass to the guy that is open um, and doing that at six eight with the versatility of doing it either hand off the dribble there's overhead passes um, there's the elite transition passes that you see from guys like Jalen Suggs in this class um, I, I mean I think that Giddy's in the conversation for one of the best passers in this class um, I completely agree with you. Um, and I love dudes that put as much flair as he does on his passes. Um, like even moments where a simple skip pass will do, he like flings that thing at a hundred miles per hour, which is just hilarious every time he does it. But he like, he's not sacrificing pinpoint accuracy, um, for that flair. You can really see, that when he's got the ball in his hands and he's starting to initiate an offense, um, when it comes to passing at the very least and understanding where his dudes are going to go and how to react when defenses uh, have a misstep or two, like one of the best in the class, if not the best to me. Yeah. And I think that when you're talking about a guy that makes advanced reads like this, um, I, I know that you don't want to pick based on Luke Walton's system, but I do think that when you're talking Walton's freelance offensive system, Fox, Halliburton, Giddy is ridiculous ball movement. And I think that the creation and advantages created for guys like Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, even Rashawn Holmes um, would be absolutely phenomenal. I think the ball movement would be ridiculous with that trio. Um, but, you know, a, a major difference, especially if you want to keep the LaMelo thing going for a second, LaMelo had... Maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but I want to say the best handle in last class. LaMelo's handle ridiculously advanced. Yeah. And I think that Giddy has a good handle. I, I, I do think it's good. 
Um, I, I think he's confident with both hands. And the issue is that sometimes he's a little lackadaisical with it um, because, you know, I, I think he's more focused on reading the defense than he is the defender right in front of him. And I also think that he just stands really upright. He's six, eight, and you definitely can see the size to him. He's a full on point guard, by the way, like he's bringing the ball up every single possession for the Adeline 36ers, um, every single possession, like straight up point guard. There's no confusing it. Um, but when he was hounded full court, I think that sometimes that pressure was a little bit much for him. And I think that's something that you see pretty often at the NBA level, um, putting a smaller guard on some of these bigger wings to really put pressure on their ball handling. And I think that that's something that Josh Giddy could struggle with a little bit. And that is, that is concerning when you're talking your primary skill being passing and there's concerns about the ball being in your hands. Um, but I, I think that there is a baseline of his handle that is promising enough where I think things like cleaning it up where you're dribbling it a little bit lower, where it's not be, um, coming up above your hip the entire time because you're standing upright and things like that. I, I think the handle is a swing skill, but I think there's enough of a base that I, I feel promising about it moving forward. I definitely think it's a swing skill. Um, this is a kind of reductive um, um, thought here, but he, he kind of looks to me like a create your own character in NBA 2K21 where the dude making him put all the points into height and passing and floor <laughs> vision and didn't have any left for handling. Um, as I was watching a bunch of tape today, it really became clear just how raw that skill was, especially early in, early in the year. Um, and as he got along, like pretty much everything in his game improved as the season went along. Um, and the handling was definitely one of them, but yeah, he's if if a team brings him in with the thought of he can be uh, either a primary initiator or even a dude like Tyrese who by the end of his rookie season is kind of a secondary dude, like there's going to be a real rookie wall that he is going to hit when dudes realize how he reacts to on-ball pressure. Yeah. Um, because it's not a strength of his game yet. And if you want him to be if you want him to take advantage of his primary offensive upside like that's a fundamental part of playmaking yeah i i think that um you know personally because agreed it is a swing skill i think that it, there is enough of a base where it'll get to at least a passable level but if, if he can reach a high level ball handler i think that that's where um some of his ceiling really unlocks but I, I do think that, like, you know, say, for example, you put Dave, Davion Mitchell on him. I think Davion Mitchell would actually, actually destroy Josh Giddy. Yeah, I, I think when you're putting small guards like that that are really getting into you and pressuring you and physical, um, which Giddy uh, allegedly put on some weight. Um, I, you know, I can't say I was watching Josh Giddy a year ago, but apparently <laughs> he's put on a little bit of weight since that time. And I think that he still does need to put on some more functional strength. Um, but a guy like Mitchell that is smaller and really getting into your airspace and and physically just kind of attacking you and not letting you breathe the entire time, I think it's going to be really troublesome for Giddy. And there's a lot of those guys in the NBA. Yeah. Especially if he's going to continue dribbling with the uh, upright stance that he does. Um, it's going to leave a lot more room for dudes to kind of swipe at the ball when it's in his hands. So yeah. Um, what about his individual scoring abilities? Because 
Like even let, let's say that he spent all summer working on his handle and he comes in with a, a much stronger baseline and kind of surprises us. Do you think like is he ever going to be a a even not even a primary, uh, you know, a top scoring option on a good team? I don't think so. I think the ceiling is like a third option. Um, okay. because there's not much self-creation when it comes to, you know, really creating space and, and shooting off the dribble, I think leaves a lot to be desired. Um, mm-hmm. and, and his shooting in general, the first seven games, he went two of 20, 10% from deep. Um, and then the next 21, he went 27 of 79, 34% from deep, um, which is respectable, you know, but I will say his form is so ugly and inconsistent. The footwork's really bad. Um, but I, I think that, you know, there is a somewhat baseline. He's definitely confident. He has seven games with five or more three point attempts out of the 28 on the year. Like he's definitely not hesitating from three. And I think the NBL defenses respected his shot, even if the number as a whole of 28% on the year is pretty ugly. Um, I think that there's a baseline that, you know, NBA, um, I, I am I stretching by thinking that you know shooting when you when you have a base like this is something that most prospects improve with nba coaching uh if a dude doesn't improve his shooting with nba coaching he's pretty quick out of the league especially for a dude with guineas um uh size combo um i I think I, i definitely i think his shot is is ugly i agree with you um, and it's still ugly. There was a, a highlight clip meant to be one of those. Hey, look, our dude is is working on this skill. You know, you see every a dozen of those every day during draft cycle. Um, and I regret to inform you that his shot is still ugly. Um, but he was making them at a really high clip. And what I kind of appreciate, this is a weird compliment for the modern um, modern shooting development, is that he didn't just completely rework his shooting mechanics uh overnight just to try to spike his draft prospects because uh there have been some guys who came out of college as excellent shooters um mikhail bridges being one of them who uh really (laughs) early into their nba careers just somebody got in their head and was like we have to completely redo your shot um and you know i would rather josh giddy wait until he's with a nba team to start working on that shot uh, because I, I agree with you. If he goes to a smart team, um, I'm just staring at the teams right now. Like if he goes to 11 to the San Antonio Spurs and they got Josh Ingle, like England, I think it is. Man, forget it. I know he's like the league's best shooting coach. So it's possible. It, and it and it's really necessary for his game because he's not going to be a dude who can just get to the basket on command. Um, so nope. I think a lot of where you have Giddy ranked is how much you trust his shooting to continue to develop. Yeah. I think there's definitely work that needs to be done, but I think he's going to be not ignored from three. And I kind of think that's all he needs. Um, Obviously you would hope for something higher, um, but I would very much doubt it would take some outlier shooting development and, and form change for him to become a high level shooter. But I, I do think he's going to be respected. I don't, I don't think he's somebody that you're going to be able to ignore out there, um, even if maybe like his freshman year or his uh, rookie season, I should say, maybe that's the case a little bit. 
Um, but I, I do think, again, he had plenty of confidence pulling it from deep, even if the form wasn't great. And, you know, he had a really rough stretch to start the year. Again, first seven games, two of 20 from deep, but then the next 21, he shot 34% from downtown. And I think the latter is a little bit more representative. I think he's probably like a 32% three-point shooter sort of thing. And I think that's not good, but kind of enough, right? Um, and I, I think that, you know, while I, I don't envision him as a guy that's creating space for himself in isolation, like some of the elite players in the league do and, and all-star caliber players do, I think that when you're talking in a pick and roll, I think that that's where you really can unlock Giddy, right? And, and when you're talking secondary actions, similarly to Halliburton on offense, I, I think without, you know, Halliburton had elite shooting, which obviously yeah. is a very big difference. But I do think that Giddy is an extremely smart player. I know we already said he's a ridiculous passer, but I don't want to understate it. Like he, he seriously is a savant when it comes to reading defenses and yeah. getting other players open with good passing. And I think that where you see flashes and there, where there really needs to be a lot more consistency because he doesn't have great burst or athleticism to him, which I think is concerning for a lot of people. But I think you see a lot of players make that work with a good change of pace, right? Because he has moments where he's moving quick enough, I think. Um, but there's not often enough to me, even though there are some flashes where he's really changing speeds and mm -hmm. making opponents guess. Um, I, I think there were enough flashes where I believe that that is where he becomes a creator in the half court specifically is with a pick and roll change of pace and the threat of him passing. Right. Yeah. Um, and having enough, I think his touch around the rim was decent. You know, he shot 50% on twos, which isn't great, but I think there is potential there. He needs to put it on a little bit more weight and be able to absorb contact more. But I think that like you can make the lack of athleticism work with some savviness, which he has in his passing, and then really just having a, a handle that needs to be improved. That's the swing skill. But I, I think this change of pace is where I really see his potential. I agree with you. Um, it, it, it's definitely the aspect of his game that I hope he really works on, both just the, the specific of improving his change of pace um, and to improve his handle, but also like when I watch him, and I'm going to say this about Zaire Williams when we talk about him next, both of these dudes are clearly figuring out their new uh, body limits. Like Josh Giddy apparently grew like three inches in the last year. Um, so like he's only now beginning to figure out what he's doing with that tool set. And he's like one of the youngest players here. So anybody that has him, um, you know, top 10, I'm going to understand it because as I keep saying on this podcast, it's never a bad thing to gamble on dudes with extremely high feel for the game, figuring out aspects of their own abilities that you wouldn't have guessed. We definitely know that with Tyrese Halliburton. Um, so it's very possible in a couple of months, we're really like, man, Josh Giddy is way more advanced as an initiator than we thought. He definitely worked a lot on XYZ. It's definitely possible. To me, my stopping point comes a bit more on defense. What do you think about his defense? Yeah, real quick on the age, I think he's one of four guys that I'm probably going to have in lottery range that's going to be 18 at the time of the draft. Mm -hmm. um, so totally super young. Defense uh, is interesting. 
I think overall you look at it and he feels pretty poor, right? Um, but I, I think there is some decent timing to his rotations. Like I, I think he understands where he's supposed to be, but he's not always in the right spot, if that makes sense. Um, he was actually ninth in the entire NBL in steals per game, 1.14. And also, he's uh, really good at tracking down defensive rebounds, which I, I get doesn't you know say that you're a great defender, but that is the period on a defensive possession. He was fourth in the entire league in defensive rebounds um, at 6.2 yeah. a game, which you know is definitely notable. But I think that more often than not, when he was off ball, um, he wasn't quite doing what he was supposed to. Even if he was in the right spot, he wasn't um, making the right move. Um, so I, I do think that like, you know, if you're running him and Harrison Barnes as your wings, you're hiding Giddy on the, on the worst wing. Right. Um, and you know, I, I guess if you want to say like, that's a credit to Barnes or whatever, but I think you do kind of have to hide Giddy a little bit, especially mm-hmm. his rookie season. I think there is definitely a path where you don't have to do that because I, I do believe that, you know, these hyper-intelligent offensive players are generally able to convert that on the defensive end, even if it's not in a um, high level defensive player. But I think like, you know, LaMelo Ball gets a lot of steals, even if you don't think that he's a great defensive player, but he he understands what the offense is trying to do. Um, I, I think off ball, there is some decent potential for Giddy to be a positive contributor. But on ball, I, I do think he, laterally he moves pretty poorly. He has a six eight wingspan, um, identical to his height. There's no plus there, which hurts. Um, there were moments, like flashes, where when he was guarding smaller guys, that his lateral quickness was enough when paired with the length to kind of keep him in front of him. Like there were occasional flashes where I felt like he kept guys in front of him that were smaller. That made me wonder, you know, like if you have somewhat of a limited two guard out there, is that where you hide Giddy sort of thing? But yeah. what it comes down to is like, you're figuring out where to hide him. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that is a primary concern with Giddy, like really slow feet. He's blown by pretty often. He really struggles to get through screens um, when he's, when he is beaten, when he's blown by, I, I think it's super rare to see him recover because there's not like that athleticism to him to really be able to do that. So I, I think that there is a, neutral defender somewhere in giddy but he's definitely going to be a negative at first yeah i i think you and i are going to have the same answer to this but a lot of what you just said is also stuff that we said about Alper and sengun on defense so why isn't it as big a concern for us when it's uh, josh giddy as it was for us when it was sengun because defense, I mean, because center is the most important defensive role. Yeah, there's the answer. And yeah, Sengun in space is like absolutely horrible. You know, like I, yeah. you can't hide a center on defense. Yeah. You can hide a wing or a yeah. guard. And it's going to be the same thing when we talk about Zaire Williams. Like Zaire Williams is going to have to be hidden on defense. But it's a lot easier to hide wings and, for, and smaller forwards on defense than it is uh, a center. So totally. Um, let's talk about, and do you have anything else to add before we talk about fit? Um, no, I have a couple comps that we'll save for a sec. Okay. 
I'm not in love with the fit for Sacramento. Um, and here's why. I definitely would always be fine with the Kings taking high instinct dudes. Um, and Josh Giddy's upside as, you know, just one more piece of a mastermind offense. Like there's no denying that between Fox, Halliburton, and Giddy, the Kings might have the best passing ability in the game from the front court. Like, am I crazy there? No, that's that's what yeah. really intrigues me. And I can tell yeah. you Atlanta's run has really influenced this because mm-hmm. Atlanta just has a ridiculous amount of creators and that's what's really making them succeed. You know, Trey Young's getting a lot of credit, but I think having Bogdanovich, Lou Williams, Gallinari, so many other creators on their roster is really what's benefiting them. Yeah. My issue then comes down to, all right, if his primary score is his passing and his playmaking, like I have to believe big time in his ancillary skills. And, I, and, and I'm just not quite as high as you clearly are. Um, I think his shooting is going to take some time. I think he'll become somewhere near the league average, but in the absence of like real touch, which I don't think he has at this point. Yeah. I, I, and 70% for the free throw line isn't amazing. It's, I'm just not quite as high on him figuring out an offensive role when it's not only next to one initiator, but two. Yeah, I, I think that's that's valid. Um, but you know, I will say, like, I think Luke Walton's offense really moves the ball around from left to right, and a lot of guys mm-hmm. are are constantly involved. And the offensive end of the floor obviously is where I'm like finding all my intrigue here. I'm thinking of like a Utah San Antonio type offense where the ball is swinging left to right, constantly finding open shooters. Um, I mean, there is a concern that you need to have these shooters, you know, like if Fox and Giddy are two of the guys out there along with say Rashawn Holmes, how great is your spacing? Um, which is obviously a concern, but I, I do think that like what intrigues me here is just elite ball movement. And I think that mm-hmm. like the idea would be that Sacramento is aiming for a top five offense, right? Yeah. I will say just doing a quick look at my own personal big board is you have to go pretty far down the list to find a dude who isn't at least intriguing as a passer for his position. Um, like we know the top Jalen Green's the only dude in the top who might have some question marks, Jonathan Kaminga too. Moses Moody isn't the best playmaker for a wing, but he's all right. And then you've got Scotty Barnes, Franz Wagner, Jalen Johnson, Josh Giddy, Zaire Williams, Jaden Springer, like hell, even Kai Jones is a pretty dang all right playmaker passer. No, I mean passer, not playmaker. Passer for his position. Uh, Alperen Sengun is fantastic for a center. You have to go really far down to find a dude who has like actual passing concerns, which is a good thing because um, the the big concern we've always one of the biggest concerns we've always said about um, Marvin Bagley was we can't use a black hole on offense unless he's going to be an amazing scorer, which Marvin Bagley never ended up being. Um, and it's why we always want Rashawn Holmes to show some more passing touch because this team really does need more passers. So I do think it's a pleasant draft to find another playmaker or two. 
It is. I, I will also say, I think Giddy's like a notably better passer than like yeah. everyone you mentioned except Suggs. I completely agree with you. Um, well, Cade Cunningham. But yeah, Cade too. Yeah. Outside of Cade, Josh Giddy is probably the best passer in this draft. And, and what's weird is like, I don't know who to comp him to. You know, and comps are always broken, but I think they're useful for when you're talking about a prototype of like, how does this guy work in the NBA, right? Yeah. And I kind of think the best thing I came up with is a 6'8 Rubio. Oh, man, I like that. Um, Rubio was one of the first things I remember about watching Rubio because the 2009 draft was like the first one I seriously paid attention to. Um, One of the first things that I was paying attention to with the Rubio tape that I could find back in ye olden days of 2009 uh, Google searching was that, man, that dude was locked in on defense even back then. Um, and I definitely, I was reading through uh, PD Web, our buddy PD Web, everybody should go follow him, one of the best out there. Uh, he has an excellent Patreon post about Giddy and something that he was talking about was, I had to talk to a whole bunch of people before I figured out who Giddy reminded me of on defense. And it's modern age LeBron where yeah. <laughs> he ends up in the right spot and then he just doesn't do stuff with it because he's saving his effort for offense. Right. Like, yeah. PD's explanation was like, I'm in the spot, so I can't get yelled at, but I'm yeah. not exactly doing what and I'm I supposed love to. And I love that. I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, so, like, to me, it comes down to Josh Giddy as a wing. Lord, I think the Kings need wings. Um, outside of the top four dudes, um, the five through 12 on my board are all forwards and wings. So, I clearly want the Kings to prioritize one of those dudes. Yeah. I'm going to admit that Josh Giddy is last on that tier of wings. And it's not from like, I know his skill is elite. I hope he goes to Orlando or maybe San Antonio or um, what am I not thinking here from him? I mean, hell, even Golden State could use another playmaker. He'd be right. really fun in a Warriors offense. Um, I'm just not going to prioritize a dude whose best skill is passing when. I have concerns about the other ancillary skills. Yeah. And the fact that I'm saying that his shooting is an ancillary skill tells you what I think of his offensive ceiling. Yeah. And I agree with you that, you know, the other passers in this, in this class, I think there's a lot of wing passers. And I, again, think Giddy is, you know, the best outside of Cade Cunningham and, and Jalen Suggs. But I think the other guys do enough while also supplying other skills that I think are more important to the Kings. I, I think that, Moody and Wagner are not touched by by Giddy. Um, I think they're in a tier of their own, but I think that Giddy is in a tier after that where, you know, I, I think it's going to be a pretty big tier. Um, I actually mm-hmm. only have three guys right now, but I, I think it's going to be a little bit more than that where I feel like I can talk myself into it, right? Like I'm not going to be mm-hmm. upset if the Kings pick this necessarily, but I could talk <laughs> myself into it. Um, hey, you're just stealing my contents on Twitter because that was exactly what I call that tier. Yeah. I, and I I'm not going to be upset tier. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that Giddy definitely falls into that. Some other comps, you know, Joe Ingles is a really lazy one, um, that people throw around because, you <laughs> know, he's the Australian agree. dude, right? I completely agree. But I, I think like the wing passing and that sort of, um, ceiling of player is kind of what you're talking about for Giddy, but very different because 
Ingles elite three-point shooter and defender, like three and D is not what you're talking about with Giddy, right? Yeah. I think interestingly, Lonzo Ball on offense with more size is kind of interesting. He doesn't have the explosiveness, but I think that that's the sort of role that you're talking about. A Rubio Lonzo Ball with more size, right? Yeah. Where like he he's lit. I, I can't stress enough, like he is a point guard. Yes. Well, if not a point guard, he is a uh, higher usage playmaker at the wing sitting next to a maybe a less traditional passing point guard. Yeah. And I think the but, closest guy, if you're not talking about like, you know, just adding a few inches to somebody that I came up with was Kyle Anderson. I love that comp. I definitely really, it captures the high IQ. It captures the, makes the right decisions on defense, but is a tiny bit limited in what he can do about it. Um, Mike Kyle Anderson's one of those dudes who clearly made a real, he was somebody I was pretty low on when he was coming into the draft. Um, But he's a dude who's made his career by picking up a bajillion tricks along his way. And it's definitely a role I think Josh Giddy um can take on like what we're talking about josh giddy right now may not be the dude that he is in three years just because he's got such a like a high fundamental singular skill and a baseline of uh awareness and at least semi-competency that wherever he goes he could become a bajillion different types of player yeah and um the kings could definitely use more high iq players I can, yep. let, me, let me tell you that. So, and Giddy definitely falls under that category. I think, um, yeah, we can move on to Zaire, but I think that, you know, right now my King centric board is seven, eight Moses Moody, Franz Wagner. And then I have a nine, 10, 11 that includes Giddy and also includes Zaire Williams. Well, before we jump into Zaire Williams, I'm going to uh, steal the mic for a second. And this is a new segment called Bryant forces St. Mary's basketball into draft discussion, which I feel like I'm doing. This all the is time. Patty Mills right here. what it is is hey josh what college in america has had more australians in the last decade than st mary's none of them and i appreciate i didn't know that oh yeah 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 for sure uh and especially like we had patty mills and matthew delavadova they are now two of the grandfathers of uh the australian national team and yet, I like. I'm glad he stayed in the NBL. Um, good for him. Good for him for helping his country like make that a real project uh, and show that it's not just a stopping point for Americans. Um, yeah, Giddy. Giddy did talk about he had college opportunities. He, I think, he mentioned that he uh, was really close to Colorado. Seemed like the school he, he would be leaning not towards. Name St. Mary's. No, he said dude. Arizona. I forget the wow. other one, but yeah. Come oh, on, dude. That was St. Mary's shout out. Yeah. Come on, dude. <laughs> and the whole time I was watching him, like in the back of my mind, I was like, well, you would have been a really fun four-year player at St. Mary's, dude. <laughs> but good for him. He should get drafted when he's 18. Don't wait till 22. Not surprised. Yeah. So yes, this is where we're at with Giddy. Do you have him as a lottery guy? Yeah. I okay. have him at currently at uh, 11th or 12th on my Kings big board and 11th overall. Okay. Yeah. And uh, next guy we have on this list is Zaire Williams. Are you good to move on to Zaire? I am. Um, All right. I'll, uh, I'll list off the basic numbers here. Yeah, I have 6'8". I have a 6'10 wingspan, but I also saw 6'11 in some places. 
Combine said six ten and a half, I think. Okay. Yeah, um, that's what I got written down. Yeah, played at Stanford this year, um, which, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. 20 games played, 10.7 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.2 assists, along with 0.9 steals and 0.6 blocks on, Brian, I can't tell you how much I was shocked by these freaking efficiency numbers. 37.4% from the field. That one specifically, like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, 29.1% from three and 79.6 from the free throw line where I want to start here with you is, um, explain to me the complications of Stanford's season this year, because Zaire has a very complicated and nuanced conversation around him. He very much does. Every single prospect we talk about on this podcast this year was affected by the pandemic. But when we're talking about Zaire, like his entire basketball existence needs that full context. He lost two family members this year. Um, Second and much less important in the grand scheme of life is Stanford found out that they couldn't play home contests this season because of Santa Clara County restrictions on contact sports. So they ended up playing their home games at the Santa Cruz Warriors gym, which I got to tell you was hilarious to go back and watch college tape in that gym that I've been to. Um, And they traveled on road games and otherwise they just fully lived in hotels, which, I mean, let's just call it what that is. That sucks for a player. No regularity. Uh, It sucks for all of the dudes on Stanford. I feel really bad for them. And they are the best case of why did we play basketball this year to me. Um, Third, because they were in hotels, nothing about their program was normal, like including weight training programs. Programs, something eight pound six ten Zaire Williams really really needs. Um, he also dealt with a significant knee bruise early in the season after I think he crashed a bike into a tree. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Which is like the most innocent way I can think of a dude his <laughs> knee, but like he had to wear a brace for a while. So it's the most like, Stanford thing possible. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Stanford um, or Davis is the only two places you do that. Oh, for sure. Well, Berkeley too. Um, or Humboldt. Just pick anywhere with a with a tree. Right. Um, so nothing in that situation was good for him, especially one as developmentally unique as Zaire Williams. Um, like he talked about, 6'10 in shoes, 6'10 wingspan, plenty of explosiveness in burst with some caveats. But he's just 188 pounds at the combine. And every skill discussion we have from this point needs to start with an unsaid, he's 6'10 and 188 pounds. Is he 6'10 or 6'8? 6'10 in shoes, which is what I'm going to go with. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I did see that in some places, but I also saw 6'8 and I didn't know which way to go. Yeah, no, he's 6'10 in shoes. Okay. Um, And I'm going to applaud the NBA combine for the dudes that they do get. Like... I really wish Alperin Sengun had, had was his season in Turkey was done so he could go to the combine so he could get measured. Um, so when a dude has combine numbers, that's what I'm going to go off of. Um, every aspect of his game at Stanford was impacted by the fact that he that most collegiate dudes could just move him around. Um, so with that in mind and looking at the efficiency numbers you just said, Taking Zaire is a big risk on a dozen different developmental factors. One being your faith in the King's weight training program. Um, 
and I'm, it's not like I'm just saying throw 25 pounds on him as if throwing a ton of muscle on any kid doesn't compli- complicate every aspect of their uh, skill development. Um, but it's like continuing to develop his game off ball, which is something that uh, he was really bad at at Stanford. His numbers are most inefficient off the ball on offense, uh, which sucks because that would have been a clear role for him at the next level. Um, I think it's fair to say that Zaire is the biggest gamble on the Kings in the Kings draft range. And I don't blame anybody who has him way lower than anybody we've talked about on this pod. I don't blame anybody who doesn't even have them on their board. I don't blame anybody who has him really high on their board. So it really is an eye of the beholder type situation. Um, and it's not necessary. We'll get to this later, but it's not necessarily one I think the Kings will make. Yeah. And, um, you know, Zaire with that size and you talked about his struggles off ball, but I think on ball is where he really showed these ridiculous flashes. Right. And he was yeah. eight, eighth ranked out of, coming out of high school for a very good reason. His space creation. You know, I think when you're talking about elite players, you're talking about the ability for them to create for themselves. Right. And in the Mike Schmitz thing, he talks about Kevin Durant, right? And hilariously, he references how Kevin Durant couldn't get one rep of the bench press, which is <laughs> so funny because it's very Zaire Williams, right? He um, had he had great answers to every one of those, but that one did make me chuckle. Yeah, he he was a great like you know from I, I feel like maybe I read a little bit too much into the personalities that shine in these Mike Schmitz uh, film watches. But Zaires was awesome. I think that yeah. Zaire like left me at least with a very great impression. But I think the space creation at his size, the fluidity that he has, the balance in space creation is where you're really seeing the intrigue of this upside, right? Yeah. Even in the context of full games when you're seeing him miss way more shots than he makes, like I don't need to say his percentages again. The talent is undeniable. Like his creation flashes, both as a shooter and in the lesser instances where he got going to the rim, like he's got a a special skill set that starts with, like you're talking about his ability to shoot off the dribble. Um, And you'll be glad to know that was far and away his most efficient offense. Um, 51% of his offense was shooting off the dribble, which is crazy. Uh, And he was 53rd percentile. Um, he can elevate over dudes pretty quickly and at the very baseline, like that's going to give him uh, a shot he can always go to, to get at least an okay look. Um, but then like you kind of touched on, he has a nasty quick step back moves that just carves him out like a grand Canyon size space from his defender. Um, Really high release. Yeah. Really quick release too. Um, the if arc, he pops the, when he, when he makes a shot, it honestly might be one of the cleanest in this draft class. Like, yeah, it is. The arc is ridiculous on his shot. He has a really giddies. I talked about giddies jumper looking really gross. Zaire Williams is a beautiful jumper. Yeah. And honestly, like it, it feels weird saying this when he shoots in the corner, I kind of feel like he's so used to shooting above the break that he wants the court to be a lot wider because man, those corner shots, he just shoots over so often. And in a weird way, that kind of tells me like his range is legit. That arc goes up and it is a sweet looking shot. Um, And 
like when that pull up becomes real, man, it, it it's going to be the same kind of thing that it, the very baseline, a six, two dude who can shoot off the dribble. Like there's a reason that so many people were excited about Jaden McDaniels last year. And I honestly think that Zaire Williams is a better shooter yeah. than, than Jaden was last year. Um, are you are you overcorrecting because you were so low on Jaden last year? So what's going on? I kind of was thinking about that during the evaluation when I had the flash of Jaden McDaniels in my head, and honestly, the only thing, the main thing that Jaden McDaniels taught me is that defensive uh, situations. Washington was such a weird defensive situation with all of the zone that it made me massively underrate how much a dude with his size and length, even minus like strength and physicality can do on defense at the next level. Um, not so much on offense because uh, I think Jaden McDaniels did exactly what I wanted him to do in that he became a really ancillary uh, offensive option early in his career, really worked on improving as a cutter. And when he got shots, they were more open because he was, so oftentimes the dude that defenses were like, okay, you got to prove this before we know what you are. And honestly, like that's a fine goal for Zaire Williams to have in his first season, really improve off the ball. Um, his shoot off the catch was just garbage, like 16th Horrible. percentile. That clearly cannot stand. Um and and to me that right there is the biggest concern about what other to me is what otherwise to me is well this just looks like a skinny dude who was guarded so much of the time got bumped by dudes uh, couldn't always get his feet under him uh, didn't have the best shot selection in the world and like otherwise without that catch and shoot number to me I could sugarcoat a lot of his shooting numbers but that's the one that does it to me. Um, I will say like two thirds of those catch and shoot shots were guarded. Um, but I mean, that doesn't sugarcoat enough of it. Yeah. And I think the idea, idea was Zaire is that he can hit contested shots with his length, yeah. right? Yes. Um, and like not just his catch and shoot shot, all of his on ball off ball, sorry, uh, offensive options really need to improve at the next level. And quickly, because nobody's going to trust a rookie to come in there and shoot off the dribble as many times a game as he'd need to, to like be even worth having out there on offense. So what I, I really hope that his one of his big focuses this summer was catch and shoot shots and figuring out what he's got to do, cut off the ball, make, find avenues to be a useful player um without the ball in his hands because that's going to be his game for a couple of years especially if it's a slower developmental process and he spends a year in the g league which i kind of hope he does yeah and um you know when when it comes to the strength on the offensive end you're definitely tough or real quick actually sometimes you know i felt like he disappeared in games where there were occasional games for stanford this season where you didn't even feel as i really out there which yeah. I think is not obviously what you want from a lottery prospect, but it was just weird to me that there were occasional games. He had eight of his 20 games had less than 10 points this year. And there, it just felt like it was too often that you didn't even really notice him 
on the floor. Yeah, and I will say that the one context there is that Stanford's two best players were veterans. Um, and, you know, those two of those games that you're talking about where he was under 10 points were really early in the season. Um, so who knows how much of that is just settling in. He was also playing with a knee brace uh, early in the season. The later games are more concerning because that's when you kind of hope a dude has settled in. Um, but again, like Stanford didn't play basketball for almost a whole month. Like none of this is normal. If right. if that was a a comment made about a dude from last year, like that is the biggest red flag to me of a dude whose primary upside is as having a scoring ability. Um, but like Zaire was gone for a while while he was dealing with his family emergency, losing two family members. I don't know. It, 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 it stinks because I feel like it's not good draft analysis to say this, but I, I'm going to seriously consider every, um, motor and instinct, well, not instinct, motor and effort level red flag through the lens of dude, should this dude have even been playing basketball? No, and I get that. And I think his talent level is like very obvious and yeah. it's, you know, clearly lottery level talent. And then and I think athleticism too, like, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but he is, he's got excellent athleticism. He's super quick. Um, when he's moving, he can jump like amazing distances. I think uh, his, his balance length. is ridiculous. Yeah. In a lot of instances. Yeah. Um, he talked about how soccer was his first sport and right. I think, uh, you can definitely see that at times. Um, like even when he had that bruised knee and he was playing with a knee brace, you could still see moments of a near elite NBA physical tool set. Uh, a lot better athleticism toolkit, I think, than Jaden McDaniels last year. Um, he's not the most explosive dude when like he's not moving. Like it takes him a second to get going. He's very much a dude whose tools show up most when he's in motion. Um, and like everything we're talking about here is a work in progress because his biggest need is to add a shit ton of muscle and bulk up. And you can't just do that and expect that all the athleticism continues. Um, I, I, I think one of the things I really want to see him work on pretty quickly is core strength. Um, yeah. I think that's limiting everything in his game from his dribbling to his shooting. Like I remember, um, early in the De'Aaron Fox draft, the process everybody was talking about, well, De'Aaron Fox is so skinny. One thing that is really underrated for shooters is core strength. Um, and now De'Aaron Fox is definitely bulked up and he's drastically improved as a catch and shoot dude. He handles so, contact so ridiculously well. Yeah. Um, so, like, it'll be a work in progress to unlock his eventual NBA body. Um, we saw that process work in time for Brandon Ingram, which is the clear yeah. physical and skill set comparison. Um, and Brandon Ingram, like everybody, every single conversation we had about Brandon Ingram pre-draft that year was, man, he's really skinny. And now he's averaging 24 points a game, 28% true shooting percentage. And he's got a million counters for the fact that he is got less pounds per inch than 90% of the dudes he goes against. Um, I, I think so, that 
Ingram put on more functional strength, you know, even if it doesn't quite look like it, or he got more used to, you know, sustaining through contact. Yes. And it's obviously sure. something that Zaire is going to need to work on. I will say like when he did get to the basket and usually the issue was getting there, right? Like he, he couldn't quite straight line drive in the yeah. way that you would want because he would get knocked off his spot. But when he did get to the basket, he wasn't bad. 53% yeah. of the rim, like not bad. I, I think that he's displayed some good touch and I, I think that's promising. And I, I want to go back to the Mike Schmidt uh, interview where Williams said, uh, his dad would call and yell at him like, why didn't you dunk that? When he gets to the rim, he tries too many fancy uh, dribble moves and weaves and stuff. Um, so I kind of wonder if slightly more bulked up Zaire Williams is going to come in and start trying to jam on everybody's head because he's definitely got the length for that. Um, and nothing would tell me that this dude is ready for NBA physicality than that. <laughs> but um, yeah, fully unlocking who he is is going to take years. Yeah. And I think that's a little concerning. I think um, the one other aspect is I think that, you know, there definitely needs to be progress when it comes to his handle. I I think that there is um, a decent baseline where I I think that there is a very reasonable um, expectation that that will be improved. But right now it kind of feels like it's like one move and that was enough to create space at the college level. But I think that, you know, chaining moves together is something that's going to need to be um, progressed with, with time. And and I do think that will happen because again, I think Zaire showed enough of a baseline where I have confidence in that, but it's definitely, you know, he's a raw prospect that that is going to need to be worked on as well on top of the strength and, and uh, catch and shoot shooting and things like that. And the one aspect I want to ask you before we move to defense is a league average shooter enough for Zaire on offense, or does he need to be like a high level shooter to be worth taking at nine? Like if he's not at least league average, it's a bad pick. Um, But if he's just league average, is it enough? If you're telling me right now that Zaire, that your confidence in Zaire Williams is that he's going to become a league average shooter and nothing more then he's going to be lower on anybody's sane big board than Josh Giddy, because Josh Giddy has an elite skill that cannot be fully taken away from him without the shot. Zaire Williams without an above average shooting ability is just not much. Maybe he's a, uh, a high quickness, um, disruptive defender who gives guards trouble with his length, but like how useful is that? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's real defensive upside, but I, I think a lot of what you're talking about with Zaire is self-creation on offense, you know? Yeah. Um, and I got to say... off the dribble, and if you're not hyper-efficient, or maybe not hyper-efficient, but at least NBA average level, you know, like the 37% from the field, I think you can accredit that, you know, 42% from two, a lot of that to the strength, right? But I think yeah. like the 29% from three is where you really get concerned. Yeah, it definitely is the truth. The only shooting number that I will point to and say, well, there's two of them. One of them is the off the dribble shooting, which was 53rd percentile. The only other shooting number that I will point to and say this is a good indicator is his near 80% from the line. Um, yep. Which to me is a good indicator that a catch and shoot shot isn't crazy far away. Um, like you don't, if you are a, secretly a bad shooter you don't shoot 80 percent from the collegiate free throw line 
over, uh, let's see, pull that up. 13, no, not 13 a game, geez. Uh, 3.2 per 36 minutes. I mean, that's not an insane amount, but that's that's enough of a sample size to tell me that there that's at least one pro shooting indicator. Yeah, I, I do think that Zaire is a, a good shooter. Um, I, I just, you know, uh, that was something I was really curious of, of, like, if he's just league average, is that enough for Zaire, you know? Yeah. If you have him in your top 10, it's because you're gambling on the dude's uh, pull-up shot and, and sweet-looking release being uh, promise of above league average. I completely agree with you. The reason yeah. I have him in my top 10 is because I believe that he will be a good shooter. Yeah, and 6'10 with that sort of self-creation ability is you know what the entire league is looking for. So I totally yep. get it. And then when you talk about the defense, I, I think he's really promising laterally. He has that 6'10", 6'11", wingspan. I think it was 6'10 and a half, you said at the combine, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that he showed some serious off-ball potential. I think on-ball, you know, this is where the strength comes in. And strength is going to be a continuous issue for Zaire Williams. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully something that can be worked out at the next level. You know, there definitely will be some progress there. It's just about how much right? Um, but yeah. when you're talking per 40 minutes, he had 1.2 steals and 0.8 blocks. I think that he was really great in passing lanes, really anticipated. Antis- yeah, he anticipated really well. I can't think of <laughs> whatever the hell that word is. Um, Anticipatory. He, there you go. That's what I was looking for. Appreciate it. Um, and, you know, I can't tell you how much I just dream about rim protection on this Sacramento roster. And Zaire actually had some of that. Yeah. Every once in a while, um, he much like his offense, like he was really flash in the pan on defense Um, to stick with his on ball first. I think his immediate NBA impact will come when he's guarding guards in smaller wings Um, because obviously bigger dudes are going to punish him, but he like, he already really relished guarding guards at college because He's like, he was as fast or faster than a whole bunch of them. Um, like NBA, all NBA guards, Steph Curry's going to twist him in knots. But I really do think that if there is an immediate role for him on defense, it's going to be surprising guards with how his length is, his general balance. Um, I think when he was guarding guards, it was the best instances of, all right, this is a dude who can be aware of what his uh, opponent is trying to do, who can flip himself quick enough, who can move laterally quick enough. Um, as he plays up towards guarding forwards, like he says he wants to guard one through four. I don't think he really means that yet. Um, bigger threes and fours are clearly going to give a 180-pound dude a whole bunch of trouble. Like college forwards handled him pretty frequently. Straight through him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, honestly – like when he was asked to guard down and handle bigs, that was the only time where the physicality and toughness concerns came into play because there were quite a few times where like he came over to help on a, a, a big dude in the paint and it just didn't happen. Like it, he didn't come in with anywhere close to the same motor that he was showing when he was guarding um, guards. Which is disappointing because, like, if, if you told me he is a 100% full on locked in defender and he will figure it out, 
Like that is a an incredible skill set, no matter what happens on defense. I mean on offense. Um, but like the 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 position of Sacramento's need, biggest position of Sacramento's need on defense, besides a rim protecting center, is strong, high instinct defensive forwards. And it's hard to say, hey, the Kings should take this dude when most of the defensive praise I've been giving him is guarding guards. Yeah. And I want to ask you, how do you think that fits in Sacramento? Because I don't think Fox or Halliburton is a guy that you can really put on a wing. No, it's definitely, if it's going to work, what Zaire Williams is going to be on both ends of the court is going to take two years of functional strength development and skill development. I mean, I don't want to put a hard cap of two years, but it's going to take time. Um, and if he comes to Sacramento, like there's no Zaire, you're, you're our, you're our super tall shooting guard. Like he's going to be a forward. Right. Um, and that will take time. And I kind of feel like we'll get into this in a minute, but it's one of the biggest indicators to me that everything I've talked about, I'm t- if Zaire Williams hits on both ends of the court, he is a top five player in this draft. Yeah. Uh, a, a one of the better players on a really good team. Uh, and a dude who could help Sacramento in a massive way jumpstart this rebound, full stop. The fact that I'm talking about a dude who's a ways away and is going to need some time in the G League, why is Sacramento taking that dude? Why is Monty McNair taking that dude? Yeah, do you think that, you know, Zaire, like you're saying, a guy that takes a little while, like is Sacramento in a position where they can have that patience? You know, like, I mean, the whole, the whole narrative is going to revolve around Fox, right? Like Halliburton was, is a rookie last year. It's going to be second year this year. The whole narrative is going to revolve around like, is De'Aaron Fox growing impatient, right? Yeah. And do you think that Zaire is going to take too long? Is that like a real possibility? You think? It's, it's certainly a real possibility. Honestly, I wish that the Sacramento Kings and, uh, De'Aaron Fox were, I mean, I, I hate saying this about De'Aaron Fox because it's one thing to say the team, I wish the team was more patient. Another to be like, I wish a dude who'd been four years into the league and is clearly a fringe NBA all-star uh, should be a little more patient with a 19-year-old rookie. I wish that Sacramento was a situation where I believe Zaire Williams uh, could come in here and not have super crazy early expectations because to me, he's the exact kind of gamble I'd like to take. But he's not that dude. Um, and I keep saying this. Like, I don't think Sacramento is going to draft with this pick. It's a coin flip at best. Um, the ninth pick is the best offseason asset. One that Monty McNair is likely to trade if he's determined to make his real move this year. Um, so if you get past that logical leap that they're going to keep the pick. Then you're going to have to make another logical leap and say Monty McNair is going to take one of the biggest gambles in the class. Um, Like he's far less sure to make an immediate impact, far less safe than guys like Moses Moody, Franz Wagner, Jalen Johnson, uh, Alperin Sengun, Booknight, Donovan, Davian Mitchell. Wow, that's the first time I've done that. Um, (laughs) Corey, Corey Kispert. Like every single one of those dudes is going to be more ready at the next level. 
Um, I don't want to say that every one of those dudes will have a better full rookie campaign, but it's still like Zaire Williams is the project player in the Kings range, full stop. Um, like, honestly, I, I feel like a lot of what I'm saying can also be said about Josh Giddy. Um, like, are the Kings going to be patient with a dude whose playmaking earns him time on the floor, but may not have the handle to really unlock that yet, and whose shot is questionable? Like, do you think the Kings would be patient enough for Josh Giddy? Um, I, I think that it's safer with Giddy. Like, I think Giddy has more of an immediate impact. But I will say, like, you know, the whole the whole thing revolves around Fox, right? More than the Kings itself, I think. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like if Fox knows that, like, there's a Zaire guy where he's like, man, this guy has a ridiculous ceiling, but it's just going to take a little bit of time, that I kind of feel like Fox could buy into that. And, you know, maybe I'm out there because Fox is in his, what, fourth year? It made something like that That's off the top of my head. I could be wrong with that. Um, but I, I think that, you know, Fox wants to be the leader of a team. And I think he's made that pretty clear. Like he wanted to come to Sacramento. He wanted to be the leader of a team. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that Fox could recognize the talent level there, even if it's not contributing instantly. And that be enough. If that makes sense. I, I don't, I don't think that like, that's like necessarily the plan you should move forward with, but I think that there is a path where Fox is like, okay, I see where Zaire Williams is going to be ridiculous in a couple of years. And yeah. I'm willing to just improve my game and wait for that moment. And I will say if he wants somebody in his life to sell him on Zaire Williams, uh, his new teammate Tyrese Halliburton can be that dude. Um, Do you think that matters at all? Did that like? I, do, do you think Tyrese is involved in like the draft process? No, he probably knows. No, 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 no. I definitely think that Monty McNair will have a conversation with Tyrese Halliburton and anybody else in the organization that's ever had a connection to any of these dudes. Yeah. Um, like it is definitely not passed by Monty McNair's awareness that Tyrese Halliburton played um, with Zaire Williams on a legendary U nineteen squad from uh, two years ago. It had. Uh, are you ready for this? It's not just Cade. Cade, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Green, Jalen oh. Suggs, Kira Lewis. Whoa! I actually oh didn't know it was that loaded. I knew it was yeah. Kyra and Cade um, and Tyrese, but that was all I knew. I like, holy shit! I looked it up and I'm just like, holy shit! No wonder they won gold that year. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And yeah, I, I accidentally cut you off, but um, Tyrese definitely was fond of Zaya. Right. He, he had yeah. some nice things well, to say about Zaire and vice versa. Like there's a clip uh, on Twitter where Zaire's praising the heck out of Tyrese says that Tyrese texts him advice often. Uh, and um, here's another one of um, that made me chuckle. Tyrese is proof that a skinny guy can find ways to dominate. The, the <laughs> like he really Better be a knows, damn good shooter. But yeah, yeah, he knows he knows what everybody's first comment, you know, I made the joke of everything I talk about. Just remember you had to put six ten and 188 pounds in front of what I say. Like Zaire Williams knows that that is the, the prequel to every conversation that's talked about him. Um, the shooting, I want to go back to that because honestly, 
the fact that I buy into Zaire Williams shooting is why I'm going to have him over Josh Giddy on my board. Because I agree with you that Josh Giddy's surefire skill is not only going to be uh, more sure to uh, translate, but also a much more elite skill at the next level. Like if Zaire Williams ever gets to the same level uh, a, a pull-up shooter as Josh Giddy is as a playmaker, like it's done. Zaire Williams is a is a top five player in this draft. I just yeah. do believe that at in especially early in their career, I think Zaire Williams might have more immediate impact on Sacramento with his shooting than tertiary playmaking from Josh Giddy. That that's hard for me. That's hard for yeah. me because Zaire's numbers were really bad. Yeah, it's a big. Everything I say is a big gamble on me believing that not only the context surrounding Stanford, but his injury and functional strength improvements will make him a better shooter than his numbers could ever possibly indicate. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's Zaire's the outlier for me. I'm feeling kind of safe in my top ten here. Zaire's the one dude. Well, okay, Jalen Johnson is a gamble, I think, but. Yeah. He's a gamble in a different way. His, you know, instincts and and motor and, um, like I don't worry about instincts with Zaire Williams. He doesn't have the best shot choice, but I think that's because he's leaned so heavily into his pull up jumper as his get out of jail free card. Yeah. Um, I don't have instinct worries about Zaire Williams really on either end. I think he sees the court well. I just I, I don't, everything I, I say is gambling on that shot. Yeah. By the way, I don't think we mentioned his passing. I, I think his passing oh, yeah. is like really underrated. I, I think yeah, you know I it was only so. what two point two assists per game. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. But I, I think that you know he's not making advanced reads in any sort. But his most run play type was a pick and roll, and I think that he made the pass to the big man when he was supposed to. Like I, I think yeah. he is a very underrated passer. I, I don't think that he's you know, a primary, he's nothing close to Josh Giddy as a passer or even Jalen Johnson as a passer, but I think that he is a very capable and willing passer. You know, I, I did have this thought if I'm not sure that Tyrese or, or De'Aaron will go for this, but imagine inverted pick and rolls where one of them is setting the screen for Zaire and then suddenly he's got a, a, a paint in front of him and a guard on him. Yeah. Like, He's just going to bury that shot every damn time. Um, and it's to me one of the amount of stuff that the Kings could do with De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and Zaire Williams if Zaire becomes even his, like, I'm not going to say Hall of Fame version outcome, like just 60th percentile outcome. Wow. You mentioned Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. I, okay. I, know, I know you said you weren't mentioning it, but you threw it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the wrong, wrong whoa, whoa, whoa. choice. What I should have said there. There is all star potential huh? for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, not even home. I just meant that as in like his hundredth percentile, right? Pro positive outcome, which isn't Hall of Fame. I'm not going to sit here and say that. It would be an all star if he hits, and he hits in every specific way. Yeah, I agree. Like a dude who gets all star consideration is definitely in play. Um. But again, I'm really not going to. It is truly an eye of the beholder. It's the least concrete. Um, he is the least concrete dude you're going to have in your rankings. 
and I'm going to really understand wherever anybody has him. Yeah. Um, do you care for comps? Do you have comps? Like, I, I think Brandon Ingram is a really good one. Yeah, he's the clear one. Um, honestly, <laughs> uh, I feel uh, I'm, oh, I'm making a mockery out of myself. Like, he his his body type looks like Mikael Bridges to me. Hmm. He, skinny, six eight, lanky, good foot speed. Um, like they're not even close to the same player. Uh, Mikael Bridges made his living in college yeah. as the catch and shoot dude who could was ultimate switchability on defense. Dyer wishes he had Mikael Bridges' versatility on both hands. Physically, he's Brandon Ingram or Mikael Bridges are the dudes for me. Yeah, um, I, I think body type I see Bridges, but like play style, it's it's definitely Ingram. Well, you know what his I don't want to invoke this dude's name. Ceiling wise, the dude that Zaire wants to be oh, is kind of going? what Jason Tatum is now. Wow. No, I, well, I, I do get what you're saying. I do get up. it. It's the pull up. It's all about the creation. Jason Tatum yeah. is the dude who turned the pull up into Jesus um, Christ, Brent. Well, and <laughs> I'm, I know our buddy uh, Ray <laughs> listens to every pod, and I probably just blew his mind like that's why i love zaire williams so much because he was huge on uh jason tatum and gives me a lot of shit for not believing in jason tatum that draft um but yeah like zaire wants to be a dude who makes his bread and butter with the pull-up that's not going to be how he really unlocks his skill set because i don't know that he's ever going to be uh, a dude who can only who can be a focal point of an offense just by the pull-up um, and especially if he comes to Sacramento, like you're playing with De'Aaron Fox, you're playing with Tyrese Halliburton, you better learn to be a catch and shoot dude. You better learn to take advantage of your foot speed and be a good cutter. Um, you better attack the rim and grab rebounds. Cause, uh, I mean, there were some physical rebounds in college where I was like, Whoa, I didn't expect a dude as skinny as him to yeah. go up that hard. Um, so I, I don't know. I think him and Kuminga are the only two guys, and, and you know, you Kuminga would have to obviously like seriously fall on draft night, where you could reasonably be like, I think their ceiling is the number two guy to Fox. Yeah, I agree. Um, Everybody else you're kind of talking about is complimentary. Yeah, Moody's complimentary. Franz is complimentary. Um, and yeah, uh, okay, but I do mean, you have either of them? Or, or Williams, I guess, or Giddy, but it doesn't seem like Giddy. But do you have either of Moody or Wagner in the same tier as Giddy or Williams? No, I don't. Um, to me, the tier, uh, the the fourth tier here that goes from five to nine is Moody, Kuminga, Scotty Barnes, Franz Wagner, and Jalen Johnson. Wow, you have um, Jalen Johnson in that tier. I okay. do. So Zaire. you like Jalen Johnson better than than Zaire? I do just because I, because I mean, maybe by draft day, I will have swapped them because Zaire is such an upside play. Whereas Jalen Johnson to me has a baseline of, I don't think his feel for the game is as high as Zaire's. I think he's got an mm-hmm. underrated feel for the game. One, I don't think you and I properly uh, captured in our last uh, scouting profile of Jalen Johnson. Like if there's a reason that I am higher on Jalen Johnson now, it's that I watched more film 
and saw more instances where he was um, aware on both ends of what he was doing. That that um, pit game is legitimately one of the best games of any prospect yeah, this year. It really is. And to me, like Jalen Johnson has a safer floor because he's got he's six eight, two hundred and thirty pounds, and uh, a big wing who isn't going to be at a disadvantage from day one on either end of the court. Zaire Williams is a slower burn, higher risk prospect. And in a world where I believed the De'Aaron Hawks and the Kings could be a little bit more patient, I'd probably have them switched because I think Zaire Williams has a higher floor, I mean, a higher ceiling to me than Jalen Johnson. Um, but the reason that Zaire Williams is at the top of the next tier to me is because he's such a risk. One I don't believe the Kings would take, but one I'd like to see them take. Do you think that the Kings are in a position, you might have just answered this question, but just to put it straightforward, do you think the Kings are in a position where they should be taking these high-risk upside swings at pick nine? If Marvin Bagley was the Marvin Bagley we wanted him to be. <laughs> but he's not. Like <laughs> Yes, but the dudes that we know are in the Kings' core moving forward are De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Um, if I was the general manager, I would take the higher upside swings. Uh, I would say that there's no way that this team, well, okay, not no way. There is less chance that this team makes the playoffs next year than we might want, um, absent of a, of a real big move using the number nine pick in the trade. And thus, I might do it a little slower burn of a build um, and take uh, Zaire Williams or consider Josh Giddy. But one of the benefits of Moses Moody and Scotty Barnes and Franz Wagner and, to me, Jalen Johnson, is that they not only are, to me, uh, high high ceiling players. I think every single one of those dudes I just mentioned could be a very solid starter at their position in the NBA. Uh, and in the case of Moses Moody, like I think he could develop into the third or fourth scorer for this team. Um, Scotty Barnes could be the number one defensive player on this team. Franz Wagner somewhere of a bridge between the two. Uh, Jalen Johnson somewhere in the bridge between the two. But every single one of those dudes, to me, can play 20 minutes a night at the beginning of next season. Whereas Zaire Williams is in the G League for a lot of next year. Um, and Josh Giddy to me, he might be able to play those 20 minutes if his shot has really improved, um, if his handle has really improved. But those are two big asks. And uh, not ones that I would necessarily see Sacramento being patient enough with. Yeah. I, I, I lean giddy over Zaire, even though I have them in the same tier. And the way my tiers work is, you know, you could take anybody in this tier over any of the other ones. And I would have no complaints completely yep. understand. Um, but the reason I have giddy over Zaire is because like giddy has a clear elite skill, you know, and I think Zaire's elite skill is space creation. But when you're talking about space creation with really inefficient numbers, and I, I agree with you, like I do think that he at very least is league average, but I, I very concerned that league average is not enough for Zaire. Um, and I think there's a good chance he reaches above that. Like I, I would be, I would absolutely talk myself into Zaire for the Kings pick. 
Um, I have Moody and Wagner in a clear tier above these other guys. Um, but after that, I have Giddy, Jalen Johnson, Zaire Williams. And I yeah. think that when it comes to anybody after that, I don't want the Kings, honestly, to consider any of them. Um, I would be very content with Giddy, Johnson, or Williams. And I would talk myself in any of them. But I have Giddy at the top of that tier of three because he has a clear elite skill that I think is translatable no matter what. Um, yeah. And it's that passing. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. But I, I do understand the comparison between Giddy Williams. Like I, I could absolutely talk myself into Zaire. I want to ask, so you said your tier, correct me if I'm wrong, was Barnes, Kaminga, Moody, Wagner, Jalen Johnson, right? In in a little different in order, but yes, that's that is my tier four. How and big then, is your how big is tier five? It's 10 deep. Um, wow. And it, it might, it might get a little bigger. Like Zaire is at the top of that tier. Um, and maybe by draft day, he and Giddy may have jumped into tier four as I talk myself more and more into, uh, both of those dudes, but they are at the top of what I'm calling the, okay, I see what you're going for here tier. Um, that includes Jaden Springer, Kai Jones, Alperin Sangoon, Usman Garuba, who I think we're going to talk about soon. Um, James Booknight. Keon Johnson, Corey Kispert, and Davion Mitchell. Wow. Like yeah. those are all dudes who, if the Kings took, I'd be like, yeah, I see what you're going for here. And honestly, there are some there I'd be more excited for. But I, I <laughs> feels weird because I'm the dude here who's super high on Zaire Williams. Um, but I am not going to sit here and say that I think that he is any that his upside makes him any less of a risk than any of the dudes we've talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Between Gideon Williams, so you're going Williams. I am. Yeah. I, I think that uh, if you're going to go for an upside wing play, take the dude who, if he hits his high upside is going to unlock more for your team. Um, and honestly, I definitely yeah. believe that Zaire Williams at his 80th percentile means more to the Kings than Josh Giddy at 80th percentile. But also yeah, it was a selfish fair. part of me that was watching him in um, the NBL and thinking like, I hope he goes to a team that does let him have more uh, on ball upside. Yeah. Because I feel like he almost becomes a little redundant in Sacramento and he'd be a lot of fun, but we wouldn't get to see the dude that he could become if like Orlando makes a ton of sense. Put him next to Cole Anthony. Let's Cole Anthony be a little bit more off ball, um, which is good for his development. Orlando's patient enough that Josh Giddy could really take his time and figure out his, his uh, handle and uh, ways for him to create his own shot. And then, Lord, he could be the playmaker that team has lacked for decade, I think. That's interesting. Yeah. I think even, like, if you're talking, like, 14, I, I don't know that he necessarily falls to 14. He seems pretty popular. But um, Golden State was another playmaker. Indiana, too. Yeah. Like, there's a, San Antonio always loves um, having as many playmakers right. as possible. And, I mean – what better uh, patient system is there? So, yeah, I think, 
yeah, it's definitely interesting. And can you just tell me real quick? I, I know this has run kind of long. We'll close up here soon. But like, what makes you have Jalen Johnson above these two guys? It's only that I think he, I, I, I believe enough in his skill set to where he has at least a comparable upside, and that I feel with his physical tools he is a safer prospect. Um, and maybe by draft night, my philosophy will have completely changed to, all right, forget it. Just go for upside, in which case I probably would have both these dudes over Jalen Johnson. Um, but I definitely went back and watched more Jalen Johnson tape lately and have been very impressed, uh, especially on the defensive end. Um, I honestly think he's much more ready on defense than he is on offense. I'm not sure I buy his shooting quite as much as the numbers yeah. indicate. Um, so it, it's, it's in that instance, it's safety over upside. Um, like all the wings I talked about in that tier, Moses Moody and Franz Wagner, like they're safe dudes. Those two are very safe prospects to me. Um, and Jalen Johnson to me, his biggest question mark that teams are going to ask is going to be the, are you going to be dedicated to a team? Um, and assuming that answer to be positive, I don't see why he wouldn't be given as much of a doubt as any of these wings that he can continue to develop his on and off ball feel for the game, um, which I think has been a little underrated in uh, this whole conversation. Do you, do you feel like Jalen Johnson is like a four on yeah, defense? He's a he's a three four. Because I, um, I, my worry on, I mean, I, I think the offensive concerns are understandable, right? Like in a half court, I, I worry that he could be horrible. Um, although I do see the upside. Um, but I, I do have some concerns that he's kind of a tweener on defense. Oh, which is funny to me because I'm honestly like, after a year of NBA weight training, I'm a little bit more concerned about him guarding down than I am him guarding up. Like, I worry that there will be a point where he's not quick enough to guard threes. Yeah, um, I, I, no, I definitely worry oh, about that. is that what that. you said? Yeah, I worry about him oh, laterally guarding threes. Um, For some reason, I've heard fours, the I, I just don't know that he has, I, I mean, also, like, laterally, I think a lot of fours are pretty similar to threes in today's league. Um, I, I worry that he doesn't have the lateral quickness while also not displaying enough um, – <clears throat> excuse me, like rim protection and, and, um, and, and really physical tools that you expect from before. Yeah, I agree that uh, there's a lot more concerns um, about his physical tool set than any of the dudes we've talked about. Um, but I also don't know how much of uh, the multiple injuries he had at Duke last year kind of hampered what we were watching. Um, yeah, it's such like, a weird case. 13 games is not enough to tell you about a prospect in a, like it's, it, it's the same kind of, um, uh, pass that we're giving Zaire Williams for context on the season in right. terms of both sides of the floor. Um, and, uh, to me, at least Jalen Johnson's got some mass to him. <laughs> yeah. No, and uh, I, I think there is, I, I mean, clearly I'm obsessed with it because I mention it all the time, but like there is clearly rim protection potential with Jalen Johnson. Oh, and yeah, uh, for I, sure. I think rim protection alongside Rashawn Holmes 
because, excuse me, while I don't think Rashawn Holmes is enough as a rim protector, I think if you're pairing him with a four that is also doing that from the weak side, that it's enough. Um, and the Kings haven't had that. You know, like Harrison Barnes isn't that guy. I think Robert Woodard can be that guy. Hasn't gotten much opportunity. He has offensive limitations at the current point of his career. Um, understandable. I think Jalen Johnson could be that guy. I think Zaire Williams could potentially be that guy, um, but more so Jalen Johnson. And yeah, um, yeah if, I, if you're I, looking for weak side rim protection, uh, aside from maybe praying Kuminga falls, Jalen Johnson to me is the swing upside wind up help side rim protector yeah and i totally see that um yeah so i I know this was a long episode but i think it's two guys that the kings are really strongly going to be in consideration for at pick nine i don't know that that um the front office necessarily is strongly considering either one of these guys but i think like the fan base really will if that makes sense Mm mm-hmm I know that um, uh, I know that the whole bunch of Kings fans really like both these dudes, uh, and I can totally see why. It was really fun to watch both of these prospects. They're both really unique dudes who, at their highs, uh, are pretty uh, addictive, uh, and both will could have a real uh, meaningful role at, in the NBA at the next level. Yeah, and um, you lean Zaire over Giddy, right? Yes, I would. Yeah, but but same tier. Yes, same tier. I do yeah. like that we're disagreeing on prospects finally, more and more. Finally, right? <laughs> we have been very similar with a lot of these. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I lean Giddy over Zaire just because I believe Giddy is going to be an elite passer no matter what. Um, and yeah, Zaire, while I do buy the upside, again, have him in the same tier, meaning that I will totally understand Zaire over Josh Giddy. Um but yes, I do believe that like Giddy is putting the Kings in a spot where they will very possibly have a very high level offense with a ridiculous amount of ball movement. And Zaire is probably the only guy in this range. Again, even outside of like the top six, when you're talking Kuminga, I think is the latest guy that has potential to be the number two guy on this team. Um, and I think that like, you know, long term, that is like the need for this roster. So I understand taking Zaire 100%. Um, I think it's two guys that the Kings should strongly consider. Neither one I'm taking over Moody or Wagner, I will say. Um, but I, I think Josh Giddey and Zaire Williams are going to be in strong consideration for the Kings at pick nine. Yeah, definitely two comparable prospects in terms of uh, size, uh, feel for the game, and uh, uniqueness. Definitely. Um, and let us know what you think about Josh Giddy, Zaire Williams. Definitely curious to hear the fan base's opinions on these two guys. Definitely uh, add us at Kings underscore Pulse on Twitter. Let us know. And I think that uh, both of us will have profiles on some of these guys soon on uh, Giddy and Williams here up at kingsherald.com and uh, a little bit of video content if you're trying to see some of their games along with the written content that we put up there and the rest of the guys the king's herald constantly putting up good stuff there definitely take a look at the patreon to support local independent king's coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's pulse podcast please subscribe rate and review we'll have more draft profiles coming at you in the near future here and thank you for listening